Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to episode 14 of the Husky International series and a long interview with Lebanese adventurer Maxim Chaya. A big thank you to Naimaka for this episode and of course the fantastic Hotel Clarion Sign where we recorded this interview. My name is Magnus Ormestad and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Find out more at huskypodcast.com or find me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at the handle huskypodcast. You ready? Yes. I was ready when I first met you. You're here to uh, to run the Stockholm Marathon. I am. How come? Well, um, I'm quite involved with the Beirut Marathon, which is now 11 years old. And uh, some five years ago, we introduced two new things at the Beirut Marathon. One was the notion of marathon relay, where six people relay one another to run the marathon, to introduce people, to, to encourage people to run the whole marathon eventually after uh, doing the relay uh, a year or two. And the second thing was the notion of running for a cause, for charity. So being a prominent member of the Beirut uh, Marathon uh, board, board uh, and I just had the idea of mixing the two together. So I formed something called Ambassadors Running for a Cause. So every year I train a team of ambassadors and they form a six person team. And I run alongside them from beginning to the end and they relay each other with me. And uh, we all do that for a certain charity every year. And lo and behold, last year, um, the year before, let me start with the year before, uh, the two years before actually, <laughs> Niklas uh, Kebon, the Swedish ambassador to Lebanon, was on our team. And when Niklas was um, replaced by Diana, Diana Janse, uh, she became on our team, as well as her husband, Frederick. And last year they said to me, Max, we will be in Stockholm in May, end of May, and the marathon, the Stockholm Marathon is end of May. Uh, would you like to come and run it? And at the time I said, yeah, why not? But then it uh, materialized and here I am. 
And it turns out that Frederick is listening to this podcast and he sent me an email. You know what? I know this guy and he's coming to Stockholm. Would you like to interview him? So I'm super excited. So am I. Yeah. First time in Stockholm? No. First time in Stockholm, yes, mm -hmm. but not first time in Sweden. I actually went on a, on a tour, uh, on a boat tour um, when I was a young kid at, at the Lycée in Beirut. And we did, uh, we, we, we went to the northern countries. We did, uh, in we did Denmark, we did Visby, which is, mm -hmm. which is yeah. part of Sweden. Yeah. And we went uh, all the way to what was then called Leningrad, which probably gives away my age. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Uh, when you meet people for the first time and they ask you, so what do you do? <coughs> what do you do for a living? What's your, what's your answer to that? Well, my, my answer is invariably good question. I still haven't figured out what I do. Uh, I, I throw the joke in. But look, um, I studied economics, but I quickly found out that um, it's not really what I wanted. So while sitting indoors at a bank, looking at screens with numbers, I would always look outside and think, this is where I'd like to be. So there came a time when things reversed and I went outside to do my own thing. So now, to answer your question, I am the corporate ambassador of the largest bank in Lebanon, Bank Audi, spelled like the car, but it has nothing to do with the Audi car. And Bank Audi were the first ones who had the vision and the courage to kind of sponsor me for my crazy idea back then. You know, somebody from a country with virtually no mountaineering background to challenge himself to climb the highest peaks in the world to plant the Lebanese flag on the summit and send a message to the youth of Lebanon and the region that you too can be the best you can be and can achieve and can exploit your full potential despite what's going on around you. Because sadly, uh, Lebanon, I don't think will be like Sweden or Switzerland anytime soon. There's always ups and downs, but it's a shame in my opinion for those who have amazing potential, our youth, I mean, to waste it simply because things are not honky-dory around them. Now, if we rewind a bit, where is, where is your home? What do you call home? Home is Lebanon. I live uh, in a village at 800 meters of altitude, some 20 minutes from Beirut, uh, uh, my, my native Beirut. So I was born and raised in Beirut, but now I live um, in a village called Babdat. Um, what was your uh, childhood like? Hmm. You know, the war broke out in 75. I was about 14 years then. And since 1975, I've been scattered around the place. So I went to school in Canada, which is where my mom was born. I went to school in Greece, simply because it was close and because there was uh, an English school that appealed to my parents then. I went to school in France. I am also between brackets French because I married a f uh, someone who uh, with a French nationality. And I finally went to university in, uh, in England, the London School of Economics. So because of this traveling around and seeing different cultures and different doctrines, I think I was brought up in a different way than those friends of mine and colleagues of mine who stayed in the old country during the war. And I think that wasn't such a bad thing, you know, seeing new horizons.
But you've always kept, I mean, you, you, you grew up in Lebanon until you were 14, 15. Yes. Yeah. And I would invariably uh, come back there. My father wanted us to spread our wings, as they say, but he also wanted us to keep our roots. So he would bring us back to the old country every Christmas, every Easter, every summer, despite sometimes the ongoing war. So we kept our roots and um, unfortunately things are not very, you know, honky-dory as they say in my country, but we still uh, find uh, that it is an amazing place to be because we're blessed with an amazing geography. We have the sea, the Mediterranean. We have 3,000 meter high mountains. We're blessed with snow in the winter, which is um, kind of rare in the area. Uh, we have a great joie de vivre. Uh, so even during the war, there was nightclubs and people, you know, enjoying their, their, their life. And so it's a good place to live. Maybe not, I dare say, a good place to maybe do business because it's not that easy. Um, what, as a kid, what kind of kid were you? Good question. You'd have to ask my... Well, I know that one of my teachers used to tie me to my desk <laughs> because I was restless. And I remember that, you know, the bell would ring and everybody would go away and, and she'd be busy doing something. And I would say, well, please release me, release me. <laughs> and I also often was kicked out of class and had to stand at the door. And because our house on a building that my father had built, uh, overlooked the school. My dad would know instantly. If would know instantly. He would actually even <laughs> he had a tripod with a with a with a camera and a, and a, and a, and a tele, tele lens, and he would take photos of me standing there, which was a bit well <laughs> humiliating, what, to say the least. What did you uh, want to become? What did you dream of? What did you want to become when you grew up? It's a good question. It's a good question. I, I don't think I had something specific in mind, but uh, for sure I wanted to get out there and see the world and discover other places and other people and other ways of thinking. What kind of role models did you did you have? That's a question that's often asked, uh, and I'll be honest to say that there wasn't really role models. And it's probably something that the youth in Lebanon still um, suffer from now. We don't have many, well, um, we have lots of uh, artists, be it in singing or in dancing or in, or even now in, in, in other types of arts, which, which is fantastic. So, but, but, um, but for sure, our politicians have not turned out to be role models and uh, sadly, it is our politicians that we still see most on the media. So at the time, I don't think I really had a role model. Of course, I used to, I used to hear about people who had done things in an amazing way across the world. And I would say, well, and I remember once actually, um, we had a billiard table at home. My father was playing billiard with his brother, my uncle, who's also my godfather. And on the telly, black and white at the time, uh, they were watching, we were watching the landing on the moon. 
was it 1969 was it 69 I think 69 is it was it I can't remember what it was I think it was a bit more but anyway um, and I mentioned something like whoa I'd love to get on the moon one day and my uncle and godfather says to me well Max I think that's a bit difficult the most you can hope for is perhaps stand on the summit of Everest which is the closest you can get to the moon and since then Everest has been on my mind and I at the time of course I wondered whether I'd, I'd ever see the Himalayas or, or Everest let alone try to climb it but there we are a few years later and uh, <laughs> actually made it to the summit that's how life is sometimes uh, but did you have like dreams of adventures did you read uh, like uh, the old books or did you did you have a did you dream of going out on adventures as a kid Actually, maybe not dream, but I did think about it a lot. And I did read, uh, I have books about, you know, uh, adventures in the high seas and uh, at the poles and stuff like that. And I used to take interest in these, but never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would challenge myself to, to do such adventures. But you were a lot into sports, it seems. I was, and I still am. I mean, I'm running the Stockholm Marathon tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, would you say that you were that you were or are still are a competitive person when it comes to sports? Do you uh, uh, like do you compare yourself with others? Do you want to uh, like you you really want to perform? If you do something, you have to be good at it because it seems you have been quite ah, successful yes, in in many sports. Yes, I, I I like to be good at something and I try to, although not as much as before. But in answer to your question, no, I don't like to compete. I don't. I don't like to compete against others anymore. It is more against myself that I compete. I know it's a cliche, but I really don't. I mean, look, actually, when, when they knew I was coming here, the Lebanese embassy in Stockholm said, whoa, that's fantastic. We want to host you for a big event. And we didn't know you we were coming to inaugurate the Stockholm Marathon. And I wrote back saying, well, thank you for your kind words and hospitality. I am indeed coming to Stockholm, but uh, far from inaugurating the, the Stockholm Marathon, I'll be simply like one of the other 10,000 runners actually running the streets of Stockholm. So, so yes, I do like to compete, but more against myself. Um, and uh, like you, like you, like you, you told told me about your upbringing and, and schools in, in in different places. Uh, you seem to to have a very cosmopolitan identity to say the least uh, as that have you always seen that as a strength because I can imagine at some points growing up it can also be a bit problematic like when it comes to your ad- identity maybe like did you have you always felt a le- like a like a Lebanese person yes I have yes I have it's true that because of my upbringing in different schools and different countries and different languages um, I can be as you said but I've always felt that my country is Lebanon and my roots are there and I actually live there now although I travel a lot and I'll be honest with you I don't agree with many many of the things that are happening in my country sadly it doesn't look to be on the right track for let you know I don't want anybody to misunderstand me it's a fantastic place but I'd I'd love it to be run in a different way uh, where the laws are applied without exception on everyone in the same way sadly it's not the case yet Um, 
what is an, according to you, what is an adventure? An adventure is when you step out of your comfort zone and go somewhere not knowing what the outcome would be. Do you remember your first adventure? My first real adventure was how this whole thing started. It's, it's elaborated on in the introduction of my book, Steep Dreams. I was actually, yeah, this is what I wanted to say in the beginning about competition. I still feel the need to compete today because when I was at an age where I should have done competition, I wasn't able to do so because of the ongoing war. So I still find myself now sometimes, not sometimes, waking up early and torturing myself in training regimes as though I was going to be uh, in the next Olympics. Uh, and this is because uh, I did not have my dose of competition when I should have. You know, at the age where I should sit back and see my kids compete and I still do it myself. Now, in answer to your question now, because I did not compete as much as I would have liked to, I began organizing races for others in my country. Bike races, running races, climbing races, even rock climbing. And this was country. like 90... Uh... This was uh, turn of the century, 95 okay, or something, okay. mm -hmm. yeah. And I kept my fitness levels up, and I would go and compete in the name of Lebanon abroad. And one day, I find myself on my mountain bike in a stage race in Africa, the Kenyan African, the Kenyan International Sports Safari. I was actually leading the race on stage number five, the penultimate stage, when I fell and dislocated my collarbone. Now I had to pull out from the race, although I had some more than 10 minutes, uh, I was 10, more than 10 minutes ahead. I pulled out from the race and I rushed back home for surgery. I had a surgery to replace my collarbone, but I came so close. I mean, before that in Thailand, I came second and in Egypt, I had came, come third. So I was hungry for a victory and I had come so close yet so far. So I decided to go back there for that annual race. And after winning the race, you know, this whole incident, falling the first year, coming back for surgery and, uh, and, and then coming back and winning it, made me good friends with the organizer, a German person who was actually leading an expedition on a nearby mountain in nearby Tanzania, the mountain Kilimanjaro. And he invited me along. And of course, we have mountains in Lebanon and we're blessed with snow, but I had never experienced a high mountain. Kilimanjaro is 6,000 meters. So my love for adventure and the great outdoors led me to accept the challenge. And some four days later, I stood on the summit. And while coming back from the summit, I learned that this was, well, I knew it was the highest peak in Africa, but I learned on the way back that this was one of the famous seven summits, the highest peak on each continent. And uh, looking a bit deeper into this uh, story, I learned that uh, only, I think at the time, 58 people had achieved the seven summits. And because also I discovered something new in, in, in climbing a mountain, you know, like I said, I had been used to competing against others between a start line and a finish line, which is what you do in a race. On the mountain, you never compete against others. And you, of course, never compete against the mountain, which is way bigger than all of us. But what happens is you compete against yourself. 
And this made me realize that I had a lot more potential than I thought I did. And it made me want to, you know, challenge myself on the mountain further. And so I challenged myself to climb the seven summits there and then during my first real adventure on Kilimanjaro. Uh, is that typical you? Like uh, you had your eyes set on this race in Africa. You had the chance of winning it. And then you, 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 you had this crash and then you but you wouldn't you wouldn't give up. You you uh, you wanted to do it one more time. So you waited one year. Is that typical you? It is actually very, very much me. Yes. And without knowing it, I seem to be lucky enough, I'm going to say, or I'm not going to say, I seem to be lucky enough to turn all my big negatives into even bigger positives. And that's a blessing. And I, I it's got nothing to do with me, but maybe I was born under a lucky star. <laughs> and hopefully it will go on that way. Um, you said you were organizing like rock climbing contests and so on. Uh, how did your... Uh, Uh, how does your how did your experience in 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 the mountain life, the mountain ways, like the the alpinists part and the climbing? How did that take part? Like how did you how did you start that and where did you get that ex experience? Oh, um, I'll come back to Steep Dreams, my book. It's 16 chapters. It's entitled Steep Dreams: My Journey to the Top of the World. Chapter 16 is Chomolungma, which is Everest. But every other chapter is another expedition which taught me the, you know, the experience needed and the knowledge needed and the wisdom, may I say, needed to be able to allow yourself to attempt Everest or any big expedition. So I took it one step at a time and I began with something like Mont Blanc, or Kilimanjaro, Mont Blanc, stuff like that. And I did take a few courses. Uh, a few mountaineering courses, crevasse rescue, um, um, self-arrest, team arrest, uh, all of these things, because I was passionate and I knew that ultimately I'd have to challenge myself on bigger, bigger mountains than the ones I was on now. So when there's a will, there's a way. So I knew that it would take time, but I, I made the sacrifices in order to be able to achieve my my aim. Um, how did your, your like friends and family, how did they respond to as you kind of uh, embarked on this journey? That's a good question. <laughs> I also write in my book how, how I announced to them my crazy out-of-the-box idea of climbing the Seven Summits. Uh, I, I, I invited them all to a, a restaurant which my sister was actually um, um, managing at the time. And I told them I have forged myself a new uh, profession and that over the next three years I'll be attempting to climb the seven summits and that this was all kind of sponsored by Bank Audi. You um, had that at the time, like even at the first summit you had that, like uh, you, you, you got that um, cooperation with them. Actually, no, I did a few on my own. Mm -hmm. So while... Friends would save money to buy a new car or I would save money to go on expedition uh, to discover a new place and to test myself and to discover a new place through something that I like, my mountaineering. Uh, um, and so 
when I challenged myself to do the seven summits, then I saw it was something, I saw that it was not only something expensive, and I'm not somebody who was born with a lot of money, but also I wanted to put the whole thing into a context. And I wanted to, uh, I, I thought about the post seven summits before actually starting to climb them. And that bank, Bank Audi, has a slogan which says, grow beyond your potential. Mm. And I believe that they, uh, embodied my 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 out of the box idea to climb the seven summits simply because it embodies their their motto, and so uh, when we struck a deal, then from then on I concentrate only on on the climbing and and the documentation of each climb, be it with photos, videos, or uh, uh, diaries, which I still use now. Uh, uh, what, what, what kind of uh, challenges attracts you or what is it with the, uh, for instance, with mountains, with the summits, with the seven summits, what is it that attracts you with it? Is it, is it possible to... It's got nothing to do with the mountains, I don't think, although I, I love the mountains. But since Everest, I haven't really climbed any mountains. I did the South Pole from the Hercules Inlet all the way to, the, to, to nine degrees south. After that, I did the North Pole from the north of Canada all the way. And then I did the Indian Ocean, so it's got nothing to do. And now there's a new one in the desert, which has got nothing to do with the mountain. But it's simply, you know, at my age, I still ask myself, why do you do this, Max? And although, you know, uh, I think, you know, there's easier ways of maybe enjoying yourself or feeling alive than, than doing this, it's a fact that... Uh, I cannot live anymore without a summit in mind, something to work for, something hard to prepare. You know, this every adventure takes a couple of years to prepare. Uh, so, and it's and it's I find it very very fascinating to prepare a new adventure and to go into the details and and work behind your computer long hours and you know for the logistics and of course the training and then to achieve it. Um. And uh, Lebanon, Lebanon, like you said, you have the mountains, but you also have the ocean. Uh, are there like any elements that you feel more at home in, or is that like uh, that's not the important part? Like you said, I mean, it's not the mountains in itself, is it? It's not about the mountain. It's not about the sea. It's about challenging yourself and to grow beyond your potential. Exactly like that slogan says. Uh, in the beginning, I thought it was a silly slogan because how can you grow beyond your potential but you know I was climbing mountains in, in Lebanon of 2,000 and 2,500 and 3,000 meters and then uh, I grew beyond that and I okay and I and I climbed uh, you know the seven summits and uh, 8,000 meter peaks the same I mean maybe my ancestors the Phoenicians had something to do with the high seas and navigating and maybe that's why I, I felt compelled to go and row an ocean but uh, it's more about challenging yourself. What was from the... Uh, because it's called what you've done, part of what you've done is called the, the Adventurous Grand Slam. And you are the, the sixth person ever to, uh, to, to finish it. And it's the Seven Summits, <coughs> and it's the North and the South Pole. Um, if you would look at that package, <laughs> what, what is most memorable? 
Is it, is, it, is it even possible to extract a certain experience or t- memory? Or Look, it's difficult to uh, judge one expedition or mountain uh, against another. It's like, you know, all, it's like your kids. You can't say, I love this kid more than that <laughs> kid. But let me tell you, you mentioned the Grand Slam, which is the seven summits, the three poles, which is Everest and the two other poles. But... If you add to that the the Indian Ocean, yeah. which I rode, I don't think there's anybody who was silly enough, <laughs> I may say, to have cha- to have done the seven summits, the three poles, and rode an ocean. We should find a new uh, <laughs> category for these bozos who Grand Slam Deluxe. <laughs> That's a nice one. Um, the Indian Ocean was an amazing experience, especially that you know I had never rode an ocean before especially that the Indian Ocean is very, very <laughs> tough, especially that the two, my two teammates, whom I chose, really, I did not know very well. They're from two different countries, different languages, different ways of thinking, different religions, I think, maybe. And it was very interesting to see how us three in this very, very harsh environment, confined to a little 8.8-meter boat, Uh, would fare amidst all of the problems that we had. And we did have a host of problems. So that was very, very interesting. North Pole was extremely interesting as well. And I would climb Everest again in a heartbeat, probably from the other side, from the uh, Nepali southern side, because I climbed it from the Tibetan northern side. But I probably would never put myself through skiing to the North Pole again. It was very, very dangerous To begin with, the cold. We began from the north of Canada on the 3rd of March. And as you guys know, because you're far up north as well, the sun hasn't even appeared above the horizon at that time. So it was very, very cold. I remember when we landed, the bush pilot, uh, you know, he, uh, he goes to the back door And he opens it for me. I'm sitting next to the back door. And he holds it with both hands so it doesn't slam against the fuselage. And he says to me, Max, welcome to nowhere. The temperature is minus 48. And that was at midday. He chooses midday to land because it's mm. the most uh, light, uh, the lightest part of the day. So you can imagine if at midday the temperature was minus 48, what it was going to be like uh, at midnight when the sun is even lower and it's darker. So... Uh, it was very, very, very dangerous. Also, the fact that uh, the ice at many, many stages was marginal ice, so almost just 10 centimeters or 8 centimeters thick. And, you know, it's newly formed ice because, you know, it's it's dynamic. Sometimes it opens up into an open lead and sometimes it crushes into um, a pressure ridge. But the, the newly formed ice was very dangerous. And if you go through the water, because you're dragging a sled, which is quite heavy behind you and you're heavy, if you go through the water, of course, the water is not very cold. But when you come out of the water into such cold environment, then you start losing fingers and toes. And last but not least, there was the danger, the, the, the ever-present danger of polar bears. So, and, and, and you're so far away that nothing can come and rescue you. Not a helicopter. The twin otters can cannot land everywhere because, you know, the ice is not strong enough or there's too many pressure ridges. So if you have a problem out there... You're you on know, your own. You're on your own, mm-hmm. definitely. So all of them have memory... Well, Everest also was a very memorable 
climb, especially that sadly, as anyone who's watched the very first version of Discovery Channel's Everest Beyond the Limit uh, knows, on my way back from the summit, I come across uh, this guy who's practically dying, you know, unconscious and dying. And I, I, I had to, rest. although I stayed with him more than an hour to try and salvage him, there was nothing anyone could do. And I had to just leave him there and come back down. So it was a horrible way to end my Everest summit and my Seven Summits odyssey. But it brought me back to the reality of life and death, really. Uh, so that was very, very more memorable in both a good way and a bad way, you know, triumph and tragedy, so to speak. Um, what when you when you start planning stuff like this, like rowing the Indian Ocean or the Seven Summits, what comes first? Like, is it the what's your vision doing it? Like, uh, um, do you see a what do you, do you see the uh, do you see yourself like rowing in like uh, the roaring 40s and like throwing up or like, struggling and it's cold and it's wet and it's dark or do you see like uh, like, le like leaning back uh, we've done it like popping a bottle of champagne and whatever you know what <laughs> uh, you have to take the good with the bad so I think I see both I am old enough to realize that things can turn south and things can go wrong. And I always try and have a plan B and even a plan C. But at the same time, just like I've done it before, I realized that yes, things can be fun doing this. And you can succeed even at what others perceive as being impossible. Of course, before that, you have to have sacrificed a lot of time, effort, resources to do the right training, and I don't just mean physical training, the right research, the right um, planning, the right preparation. Uh, but in the end, yes. And you know what? The tougher the challenge, the greater the reward. So it's not bad to you know aim for something really high but then really work hard to make it up there. These, these major stuff that we've covered so far, <coughs> these uh, adventures and expeditions, uh, it, understandably, it's, it's like, uh, it's a kind of a big machinery if you look at like sponsors and it's a lot of money involved and it's a, uh, you have the like media and you have to document and everything. Does that, don't you ever feel that that like, takes a part away from, from the joy of it all? Like, do you uh, sometimes long for, like, just you or, like, your family or, like, you and a friend? Just, no one knows, no one even knows what you're doing. Just go someplace and do it for, like, a week or two and, like, well, stay out and, like... Well, like I said, you have to take the good with the bad. And in the beginning, yes, it wasn't easy finding sponsors to believe in you. Um... But like I said, not only did I need the money, but I also wanted to put the whole thing into a context, to use it in a, in a positive way. And when you have a sponsor, it's different than being a selfish father or husband going away to other ends of the earth too. Um, I'm happy to say that now, if I was to, well, if I was to, if I was to say I want to 
you know, go to the moon on a pogo stick, uh, naked and backwards, I'd probably get a sponsor which would say, yeah, where do we sign? Because I've been uh, successful in others, I suppose, and because they know that I, you know, I do this out of passion, not, not, not to make money. Um, and so, uh, so, so it's not as difficult now as it was before to uh, find sponsors. And I'm happy to say, I mean, I'm, I might sound silly, but I actually choose my sponsors. And I make sure that none of them are in competition with any other. And of course, uh, I would never get a sponsor which is in competition with Bank Audi, who were the first ones who believed in the Max Chaya that, 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 that we all know now. Um, but this with, uh, with you being a big name, like being famous and being well known, um, has the, the risk or the fear of risk of, of failure, has that, does that grow or does it, does it grow bigger or smaller does it, I, as, as a risk factor as you, uh, uh, as you, you know, if you compare now, like from the first summit or the, like the first two, three well. summits? In the beginning, the first few summits, if I was to fail, then I would know that yeah. it would compromise my, you know, you know the rest of my, yeah. my adventurous career. Mm. Now, of course, I have more responsibility and, uh, and I, you know, it would be um, negative for any of the sponsors if I was to fail. But you know what? To be able to succeed in a big way, you have to fail sometimes, you have to fall and get up again. But you can be sure that before failing, um, I will have uh, explored every avenue and it would not be because of a lack of preparation or laziness or ignorance. I mean, ignorance about uh, the actual um, expedition in question. Um, it will be because of something that's out of my control and you know in my book one of my chapters is called uh, uh, caught in the couloir it's actually an 8,000 meter summit called uh, Gasher Broom where I decided to turn around before making it to the summit so I actually failed this expedition but you know what uh, no mountain is worth a life and the mountain will always be there and I cannot go, go back and climb it so um, and and in in my opinion, failure contributes to success. And I think my failure on that mountain called Gashobrum in the Karakoram in Pakistan contributed to my success on Everest. So failure is not a bad thing. On one condition that before you fail, you try your one hundred percent, and after you fail. You learn from your failure so that it contributes to future success. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But are you good at are you good at turning around? It's tough to turn around, but there's a time when it's the only right choice. You can't bang your head against nature. Nature is way bigger than all of us, and of course, these days we have ways of predicting nature. But sometimes you can't. And definitely, I would never try and challenge nature. You challenge yourself on nature, but you don't never challenge nature. So I'm not good at turning around, but I'd like to think that when the only right option is turning around, I will do it. Because I'm, guess, I'm, I'm guessing during, that, uh, during these big expeditions, you've had a couple of times where, it's been, where you have been in very... Uh, tough, very dangerous and very exposed uh, situations. Do you think that you in some way have been lucky or are you just really good at like assessing For sure I've been lucky. For sure I've been lucky. I mean, for sure I've been lucky. If I've done what I've done and I'm sitting here with you talking about it, for sure, like I said in the beginning, I must have been born under a lucky star. But you know what? We have this saying on the mountain, we, we prepare for the worst while at the same time hoping for the best. But you have to prepare for the worst. So you have to have your plan B and your plan C, and you have to know what you're doing. And, and also, you cannot be selfish or lazy to climb Everest without trying lesser mountains. So you have to be, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to put in the sacrifices. To allow yourself to climb a mountain like Everest, you have to have climbed a mountain like Chouyu before. And before Chouyu, Gashabrum, before Gashabrum, Aconcagua. I can't jump into a Formula One and drive it uh, tomorrow. Before driving a Formula One, I'd need to drive a Formula 3000, or before that, a GT car. So once you've gone through the necessary step and gone up the ladder one step at a time, or maybe two steps at a time, then yes, you will get to the summit uh, safely and surely. Um, in what ways have your dreams changed along the way about these adventures? Or do you still like nurture the same dreams or has it changed along the way? You're running out of mountains. Not running out of mountains, but running out of uh, high peaks to climb. <laughs> well, well, can't go any higher than Everest on planet Earth. And, uh, uh, but for sure, the North Pole was a lot more challenging than Everest. And then... While training for the North Pole, 
in Scotland at, a, at an SAS training camp in Scotland. I I was in the company of people who were training to row an ocean, and at the time the no, the notion of rowing an ocean was you know the seed was planted in my mind. So as long as I'm still able and willing, I will probably challenge myself to do these quote-unquote silly things. Uh, but I'm sure there must there will come a time when you know I will hang up my climbing boots and my uh, skis and my what whatnots and uh, and 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 do something else. But uh, I'd like to think that I'll be able to use all of what I've done to motivate others um, to be the best they can be despite what's going on around them, and especially the youth in my region, which is in turmoil, seems to be in constant turmoil. And it's really a shame, in my opinion, for a kid uh, born with, say, that much potential to only achieve part of it because of the instability around. Um, and, and, and this is what I try to, 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 tell, to tell the youth, uh, you know, to uh, climb your Everests, achieve your dreams, uh, no matter what. Uh, we will uh, for sure get, get, get back to that because you're not only the, the first person from Lebanon, you're also the first person for, like, from your entire region mm -hmm. to, uh, to, to reach these summits, these peaks, these goals. Um, what does that mean to you? Oh, I've never been a, a, an advocate of firsts. It's not about you know being the first. Um, but for sure, um, the, my way of thinking is kind of outside the box, definitely from where I come, because a lot of my friends, even family, uh, colleagues, when did hear about what I'm challenging myself to do, many of them thought I was mad. And many of them thought I would fail. I even thought I was mad sometimes. I'd wake up at night and think, Max, have you gone mad? But of course I would you know, chase these demons away, thinking that if others had done it, why can't I? Problems, yes, there would be problems along the way, but problems by definition have solutions. Obstacles, yes, there will be obstacles, but obstacles were made for us to break through and, and go and achieve our goals. So in that sense, yes, I'm probably different than, than, than most people around. And you know what? It's those naysayers that make me more passionate about making it, especially during the last adventure at the Indian Ocean. A lot of people thought I was um, Mad. Out of your mind. Out of my mind, yes. And at times, even during the, the Indian Ocean crossing, I did think that perhaps I was out of my mind. <laughs> Spending, what was it, 57 days? 57 days. With a fairer, fairer island guy hours. and a UK guy. Yes. It would drive anyone crazy. What would drive anyone? It, yeah, to spend like uh, 57 days with that kind of people. <laughs> well, I, I was just as bad or as good as they were. So it's no, not yeah. about, you know, yeah. just but being three of us in a very, very confined place on a very, very harsh, huge ocean. Yes, it's tough. Um, 
I don't know if you can you can call that there is a a society of adventurers, but I guess in some ways there are because it's you not that many people who have completed the the the, the seven summits and, mm-hmm. and everything. Um, what does it mean in this society that you are from Lebanon? Oh, that that I call my country um, <clears throat> the small country with a big heart. Um, and it, 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 like, like, like I answered your question in the beginning, uh, yes, I feel I'm from Lebanon and I live in Lebanon and my heart is there and my roots are there. It, it's very um, rewarding for me to show a different face of Lebanon. And actually, that was one of the reasons why I challenged myself to, to climb the seven summits. One was to, of course, prove to, to myself that had I lived in a country, in a peaceful country, no war, no destruction, I would have been able to achieve, uh, you know, my ambition to become a professional athlete. But the other reason was also uh, to put a different face of Lebanon on on the small TV screens. Yeah. It was my own little way of showing a truer face of Lebanon. Sadly, every time I would turn the TV on while I was away during the war and see Lebanon on TV, it was terrible news. Not bad news, terrible news. So I thought maybe this is my little way of showing a different Lebanon, my Lebanon. Uh, Do you enjoy challenging people's expectations like that? Because they don't suspect to run into a Lebanese guy on the North Pole. I don't enjoy changing their expectations, but I, of course, enjoy showing them the true face of Lebanon, showing them a different face of Lebanon than the ones they've been used to, sadly. Um, Again, uh, thinking of this, I don't know, quote-unquote society of adventures, is there a history of adventures from a like a, a Lebanese or Middle Eastern perspective that that we don't know that kind of uh, exists in the shade of uh, of uh, Western adventures. And to be honest with you, every Lebanese is an adventure to 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 survive the many years of war we had and. Um, it's been it's been bad on, on on a full generation, and the fact that there's still many of them have left, you know. Uh, but the fact that they st- some of them are still there is is, is a big adventure. Um, but for sure, like for example, my 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 ancestors, the Phoenicians, like yours, the Vikings, uh, were big adventurers. They roamed the seas. They they they. Um, discovered uh, many, uh, many things uh, throughout the ages. I'm not sure I can think of anything recent, any recent adventures. Uh, But in many respects, Lebanon is a small country with a big heart. And you see a lot of Lebanese having made it to the top uh, positions uh, across the world because we are that kind of people uh, challenging ourselves I suppose all people like to challenge ourselves, themselves, but maybe because of the way um, the, 
the region has evolved like that, and it's like the crossroad of all civilizations, and being at wh where we are in the middle of the uh, the planet, looking at it the way we usually look at it. Um, we've been we've been almost everywhere, and and spreading our wings. Um, this this might be a, a kind of a, a pretentious uh, question, <laughs> but uh, in in some ways the like the concept, the modern concept of an adventurer. I get the feeling that it, it's in many ways is kind of a product of a, like a, a 19th or 20th century uh, National Geographic Western, perhaps even like borderline colonialist discourse. Mm -hmm. Like the adventure, like uh, uh, Hillary or mm. like the... Is that something that you uh, can agree with, or like? Uh, I totally disagree. You mentioned Hillary. Why? Why didn't you mention Tenzing Norgay? I know because that's the because that was you know my point that this is the he he got when he got like knighted when he got a medal. Uh, Tenzing got uh, like he had to eat like out in the back. He got served <laughs> dinner out in the back. Uh -huh. And um, this, the, the, these are the kind that's of... That's unfair. That's unfair. It's, it's and very, it's amazing, it's it's amazing that um, I think Tenzing and Edmund or Hillary and, and, and Norgay never divulged who made it to the top of the planet first. It was a team. They helped each other along the way. And one without the other wouldn't have made it. And it's great that they never divulged that. Okay. Because... Tenzing, uh, because Edmund Hillary comes from the Western world, New Zealand, uh, he had a little more publicity and we always mention him, but we forget. So I disagree. I'm sure there are adventurers in all parts of the world. Maybe they're less... Fewer covers on the National Geographic. Exactly. <laughs> but I think National Geographic, let's, let's give them some credit. I think they put the spotlight on other adventures oh, than the ones sure. in their back door. I, I, I think I've, I'm, I'm kind of caught like in the National Geographic maybe 60, yeah. 70, 80 years ago yeah. or something. Okay. Like in, uh, yeah, definitely. So, but in answer to your question, maybe what an adventure is, you know, an adventure could be somebody who, I don't know, lost a leg in an accident to get back and, and do something positive out of this huge negative. Or it can be anything. That's an adventure. Just going into the unknown. And I'd like to think, use it for the good of others, not for just your own personal satisfaction. Kids growing up in, in Lebanon today, they are like a lot more likely to see you on TV, internet, magazines, and so on. Uh, but you, you, uh, you, when you grew up, you, you, you couldn't see Lebanese people making it to the to the top of the mountains. Um, is that um, that that legacy? Is that uh, what does that what does that make you feel like how important is that to you look um it's true first of all never in my wildest dreams did i ever imagine that what i wanted to do would lead to this it is true as you say that many of our youth look up at me and uh and uh and 
Let's face it, take me as a role model. When I go to schools and universities, and when I, you know, it's not about climbing. They all ask me about climbing. When I, when I talk to them, it's not about climbing. It can be anything. But it's just that despite what's going on around you, you have to have the courage to dig deep inside yourselves and pull out what's in there. The sports champion, the poet, the artist, the musician, whatever it is, there's always a champion inside of us that we have to, to have the courage to pull out during our lifetime. Our lifetime is so short. It would be a shame for somebody who can be an Ingemar Stenmark or a Bjorn Borg or an Abba not to bring it out and, you know, play your music. Play it all. Don't keep any music inside you. Has it always been important for you to, to inspire other people? Of course, it's always important for anyone to inspire, but never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would inspire people in such a way. Now, it has become a duty. So, uh, I am conscious about the fact that people recognize me, especially when I'm in, and that kids look, look up at me. And so I have to set a, not a good, a great example. And I try to do that. Uh, and in the beginning, it was a bit difficult. But now it's, uh, it's become second nature. And it's very rewarding, to be honest with you, to be seen in that light. And to be seen in that light from all types of people across the country, because I suppose this is because I stayed very far from politics and I still am, and I'm far from you know religion, although I believe in whatever God I believe in, but I never show what God it is I believe in, and I will never impose, and I respect, I'm sure all everybody does, most people do respect other people's way of thinking and religion, etc., etc. But maybe these, were, these are the reasons why people see me as somebody who has made it, who is, in the words of a very good friend of mine, I am famous without being rich. Usually you uh, associate the two words together. So uh, although I am, I am famous, I did not do this for my own pocket. And because now I'm finding um, uh, the time, uh, the will, but may I say the, the wisdom, but given to me uh, to use this in a positive light for others. Uh, how does your contact look with with the like fans followers and people who, who look up to you how do how do i keep contact with them yeah like how, how does uh, that relationship you know look like it's become a burden because i don't really have a somebody to take care of all of that and uh just with facebook i cannot keep track and i don't even know my facebook password although i have and and I'm no longer allowed That's to accept any. That's a good sign, I think. <laughs> That's a good what? That's a good sign, I think. I mean, in a two days ago, <laughs> Diana added me uh, as a friend on Facebook. To begin with, I'm not allowed to al allow any more friends because there's a limit, apparently, to five thousand friends, and you can't change that. But you're allowed to go as a fan. But most people want to be friends; they don't want to be fan. So I have a huge list of people wanting to be friends, but. At every time I try to go into Facebook on a device, it goes berserk because there's <laughs> such a long list and it, it doesn't happen. 
And just two days ago, Diana tried to, our, 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 our dear Swedish ambassador uh, to <laughs> Lebanon, tried to add me as a friend. And I tried to go in and I couldn't go in and I've forgotten my password. And I tried to answer a few questions and it didn't work. So I don't know if my account is blocked now, but I have to do something about it. <laughs> I didn't, I forgot my credit cards at home, <laughs> which is something that happens. And so I didn't, I couldn't give the first four uh, digits of the credit card I had used. Uh, I couldn't find it. So anyway, so I was not able to accept her. You're too popular for Facebook. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's not that. And um, it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's, it's become too much. First it was Facebook, then it became Twitter. Now it's Instagram. I found a way to link my Instagram to both Facebook and Twitter. But I'll be honest with you, I have not been Instagramming, if I may say. I just, I, there's so many things happening and there's so much to do that it does take quite a bit of time. But I think I must... I promise you that before tonight, I will insta a photo <laughs> of myself in, 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 in Stockholm and to say that tomorrow I'll be running the Stockholm Marathon. But you, you, uh, you give lectures to schools. I do. Yeah. And you, you have this book. Steep I have things. this book. Yeah. Not only at schools, I do lectures to companies large companies, and, you know, okay, okay. Uh, big large companies, big multinationals. I've been able to link what we do on the mountain to life in general and business in particular. Uh, through this presentation entitled There is an Everest for Everyone. Um, what does your, what I call reactor, what is your inner strength, your reactor, what does it look like? What's it charged with? Uh, it's uh, manufactured by Saab. <laughs> the Swedes, no, no, no. The it's Swedes in the will like that. It doesn't exist anymore. No, they still do the, 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 the fighter I jets. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's a yeah. bigger reactor, <laughs> bigger reactor than what you think. <laughs> what is my reactor made of? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Um, I l I'm a perfectionist, really. And in the beginning, my father used to say, you know, you do nothing because you, you will only do it if it's if it's perfect. I'm uh, a bit stubborn, but in a good way, I think. I'm uh, flexible when I need to be. I think. But that's only come. That has only come through the the years. It, that you don't, you know. But what am I made of? That's a good question. Like what? Right when it's when when it's the darkest and coldest and, oh. and toughest. Like what keeps you uh, going? What oh. keeps you going? Well, like where do you gather energy? Yeah. Like where do you summon energy from? Two things. One is I think of all the hours and days and weeks and months and years of preparation. Okay both physical, mental, and everything else. And the other thing I think, think about, I think is, okay, you're in a tough situation now and it's, you know, you're out of your comfort zone and it's difficult, but think of what you're about to achieve if you're able to overcome that situation. So you look at the big picture and you think of what you're about to achieve and uh, it makes w what you're going through now uh, um, peanuts compared to what you're about to achieve. Do you still dream of adventures? I suppose so. I mean, I'm preparing the next one. It's been two years and... Um, Is that something that you can discuss? A present? Actually, it's the first time I'm going to divulge it um, publicly like that. But yeah, I can because um, it seems that it will go ahead because, you know, sometimes it begins in an idea and then 
and then it doesn't materialize. Uh, and also, I already have sponsors, and uh, I already know my teammates. I did some trials back in January. So the next adventure will be in the desert. My teammate and I will be biking across the Arabian desert. And in biking, I don't mean motorbiking. I mean push biking. Uh, these are special bikes. Uh, that like we made. fat bikes? Or the, fat the fat bikes, but, you know, um, built to with you know, the, the, their carbon belt drive. So there's no chain. It's an internal hub. Very elaborate. Um, uh, it's built to very, very high standards. And we will be biking across the desert, just the two of us, no assistance. But we will be placing our food and water at yes. regular intervals and marked with uh, coordinates, GPS coordinates. GPS so definitely we will need a GPS <laughs> 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 during the thing. It'll be in uh, January or February uh, of 2016. And we will start off in the UAE, in Abu Dhabi, and we will uh, head due south to Salala in Oman, going through the Arabian Desert, which is called the Empty Quarter, because it's the quarter of Saudi Arabia, which is completely empty. It's nothing but sand. It's a beautiful place. The desert, like I found out during my trials uh, last February, is an amazing place, you know. Uh, you don't see much, you know, it's nothing but sand dunes and sand, but it's um, unbelievably beautiful. It must be very similar to, to the poles in that sense. And also the ocean that with the uh, with the views and with the like the the constant. It is if you want, but it's also very different. Uh, it's it's in a, it's in a different uh, beauty mm. and uh, experiencing a night in the desert, you get to experience something which we have, as they say, driven away from our world, silence. Yeah. The silence in the desert is amazing. Maybe you can't get silence on, on the high seas because, you know, you're always moving. And in the mountains, you can't experience total silence because sometimes there's animals. But in the desert, whoa, it's... It's really deafening silence, and it's uh, it's good to experience silence once in a while. In, in today's world where you have phones ringing and TVs screaming and cars honking and people shouting and et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel that uh, the modern society is uh, like on a on a bad road? Like, did we take a wrong turn at uh, some point? Who am I to judge uh, humankind and society? But I don't think it's on a bad footing, but it's a fact that a lot of people, especially the youth, sometimes use the advance in technology and all of that in a in a bad way, not in a good way. I mean, the Internet is an amazing tool. And without the Internet, I probably wouldn't have been able to do what I wanted to do. But sometimes the Internet is used uh, for not so good purposes. Um, do we need uh, adventures? And now I mean like adventures in the sense crossing the oceans, climbing the mountains, crossing the deserts. Do do what 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 place has adventures in the society today? Like I told you, everyone is an adventurer in his or her own right, and 
Of course, one needs to be adventurous. If you stay home watching TV and doing the same thing every day, then you're probably not going to achieve full potential. In order to achieve full potential, you have to have the guts to follow an idea that has come to your mind for whatever reason. And following an idea is, in, in fact, in itself an adventure. So we definitely need to be adventurous, maybe not climb high pikes and row oceans, but in different ways to explore new horizons. Uh, as someone, I think, I read somewhere, how can you discover what's beyond the horizon if you don't have the courage to leave sight of the shore? So, yeah, you have to be courageous and, and, and embark on adventures to see which one would would, would bear fruit. What are you uh, most proud of? I don't know. I mean, I mean you don't have to like, like uh, rate or like pick yeah. something above. I mean, if there's if something comes. Well, to mind. the fact that without knowing it, I've become a kind of a role model for lots of younger kids. Uh, and that's that's very very rewarding. Of course, there are other things I'm proud of, but maybe this one would come to mind in the context of what we're talking about. Are you ever jealous of some people? Because I can I can imagine a lot of people would say that I want to live like Max. A lot of people like you, a lot of people have you as a role model, and a lot of people are envious of you. What do you have any people that that you are jealous of? Uh, no, I can't say I'm jealous of anyone. Uh, and, I'm not, I, and, I'm and, and I'm not. I, I don't necessarily mean like jealous because I, I think there's two parts of jealousy. There's a there's a, a, a nasty part. Like uh, yeah. if you don't like, uh, I don't like this people. Yeah. I don't like this person. But it, I think jealousy can. Oh, I, I, want I would say envy. Envy, envy is yeah. a lot better. Word. Like, yeah. are you envious of some people? I don't think so. Um, I'm content the way I am. Um, of course, I'm not somebody who has amassed vast amounts of money, whereas I probably could have, especially having studied economics. And I see a lot of the people who have less, who had less qualifications than I did. You know, they now earn a lot more than I do. But uh, it's very, very rewarding what I do. Uh, and uh, and so I, I don't envy uh, anyone in particular. What more could I ask for? I mean, I followed my passions. I still am, and I've succeeded at doing that, and I'm seen in a great light, and I have uh, two beautiful kids who are now both at university and doing well, so there's nothing, there's, there's nothing more I could ask for. What do you know now that you didn't know when you were 18? <laughs> that I have a lot more potential than I thought I had, that I can achieve anything I really put my mind to and that nothing is impossible if you really want to achieve it. I didn't know that when I was 18, but I definitely know it now. And it would be, a sh I mean, it would be great if other people who at 18 or 16 or even 25 still don't know that, get it into their, 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 their skull. That nothing is impossible. Of course, nothing is easy, but nothing is impossible. If you put your mind to something, if you really want to achieve 
it than you will. At what stage are you now in life? Hmm. Well, you're asking me very um, interesting questions. And uh, I suppose if I haven't really thought about that answer or that question you've just asked, it means that I must think that I still have a long way to go before I change completely. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? You're still on that uh, chasing that dream that started on Kilimanjaro. Obviously not a dream because you uh, accomplished it. <laughs> it's about time I wake up from that dream, but um, yeah, I think there's, uh, you know, you learn at every age, at every stage, and the fact that I'm, okay, I'm not, I'm not 22 anymore, uh, but I have a lot more uh, experience and a lot more knowledge, let's face it, and a lot more wisdom now than I had then. So there's no reason why I should stop what I set out to do and explore new horizons. I got to interview an Australian triathlete called uh, Christopher McCormack. Macca yes, McCormack. yes. And he, uh, he said... Uh, He's a good friend. He was a good friend of, I have two, I have, we're four in the family, I have two brothers, mm -hmm. but there's one other person we used to call each other brother. His name was Roy Nasser. Mm -hmm. He was a triathlete living in Dubai, mm -hmm. and Roy was like a brother. Roy passed away less than two years ago. He was hit by a car, and Roy was very good friends with, with Mac, and Mac is actually very good friends with, with Tina, Roy's wife. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know a lot about Mac, although I did not listen to his lecture on Roy's six month, you know, six months after his death to the day we did a ride in Dubai and actually rode Roy's bike during that ride, uh, which was very uh, difficult and good at the same time. But uh, Mac gave a lecture then and I was not able to attend to it because I was, I was with somebody who needed, uh, who needed attention. Uh, but he said, uh, so, yeah. he said uh, something that I like that. Uh, he said that a goal is a dream with a plan. A goal is a dream with a plan. Yes, I agree to that. So that's um, you're still fulfilling your fulfilling your dream. Well, I would add an S at the end. It's the more like the more than one dream. So, but all embodied into one 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 idea. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time. It's my pleasure. And uh, good luck tomorrow on the Stockholm Marathon. Well, I'm, I'm sure it will be a <laughs> compared to other. No, it's stuff. a fantastic way to discover your beautiful city yeah. through a sport that I like. Although I, c I don't qualify myself as a runner, so I'll be running slowly. I'll be, you know, more than three hours for sure. Um, but uh, I will, I will definitely enjoy uh, the scenery, which is beautiful at this time of the year. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.